My name is Jay Leibold, and I am the Christian Challenge Director at the University of New Mexico. Welcome, friends, and thanks for tuning in to Mission Chats. My name is Stephen, and I'm one of the pastors at First Baptist Church of West Albuquerque. On this episode of this limited series podcast, I'm joined by Jay Leibold, who's the Director for Ministries at the Christian Challenge at the University of New Mexico. Jay spends a lot of time with college students from among Generation Z, and we'll talk together about how to reach this generation, gospel connections to make with those who were born between 1998 and 2010, and ways to connect the hope that we have in Christ to their life situation and the way that they see the world. Jay, I always like to begin, anytime I'm talking with somebody uh, personally, um, another believer personally, but especially in, in this regard, uh, tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Lord and, uh, and how you ended up uh, being the director at Christian Challenge. Yeah, so I, I grew up, uh, I'm from like born and raised outside of Dallas in Richardson, Texas. Um, grew up from an early age in the church, baptized into the Presbyterian church when I was a little kid. Um, my family switched to a Baptist church when I was in like junior high because mm-hmm. they had the big youth group in town, yeah. you know, so, so I can say uh, I became a Baptist at First Baptist Richardson. Um, and so I grew up in the church, grew up knowing all the Bible stories. I was at Sunday mm-hmm. school. I was at Sunday service, every youth camp, every D now, every children's camp you can think of. Um, but really for me, yeah, just like so many people, church and Jesus was Sunday Mm-hmm. And my life and how I wanted to live it was Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, my parents did the best they could, I think, in discipling us. Um, if they did anything really well, just push the importance of church. We were there every week. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know if I really believed in Jesus or the gospel. I knew all the head knowledge, but didn't yeah. didn't yeah. Cha- transformed me. It hadn't hadn't been born again. Right. And so. When I was actually at youth camp, I was a youth camp, um, 16 years old, going into junior high, a uh, uh, junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was at a youth camp, and leading up to that year, I was like, man, there's just, I'm missing something. Like, there's something about this camp. I come here every year. I, I just don't get it. Mm. And that year, I remember there was something in my in my heart that said, I need to really pay attention. I need to really, like, maybe, like, actually, like, listen to what people are saying. Yeah. And so throughout the week, whether it was my like really great, you know, small group leader who was just a faithful lady, mom at our church who gave a week to come and serve, or the the speaker at the camp who was just like a youth pastor. He grew up at our church and he was just like a youth pastor, mm-hmm. you know, down in Waco. Mm-hmm. He came and spoke and the theme for the week was followers of Jesus actually follow Jesus, oh. which is wild, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Imagine that. I know. Yeah. A disciple of Jesus is actually a disciple or an apprentice or a follower becoming like Jesus. Yeah. I had never yeah. thought of that. Hmm. And I realized, you know, he told this story of, you know, in the gospels, there's all these stories of like Jesus walking around and his disciples are walking right behind him. And there's the people in the crowds, like just wanting to yeah. come and look at Jesus and get glimpses. And I realized I was a person in the crowd just wanting to get a glimpse of Jesus when mm. I needed it. I'd never really given my life, confessed my sins, and turned to him. Mm. Mm. And so I remember that youth camp, all of that happened all week, just wrestling with that all week, went home, was laying in my bed Friday night after youth camp, exhausted, and it like clicked. Mm. Yeah. I prayed a prayer. I confessed sin. I turned to Jesus. And it really started with me like kind of debating and arguing for the gospel. I didn't even mm. realize it at the time. Mm. A guy at youth camp two days before 
was kind of making a mock of youth camp to me. Oh, okay. And I was like, I don't really know how to take this. But Friday night sitting in my bed, <laughs> kind of crying and praying, I was like, no, that guy, that guy's wrong. That oh, guy missed so it. So funny. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, wait. I think I, I think I'm into Jesus now. I think I'm, I think I'm a, I think I'm a real disciple. I think I'm a follower. <laughs> yeah. And my life was never the same from That's that moment. Great. You argued yourself yeah. into faith. I guess so. <laughs> no, no. I mean, of yeah, course, but you know, yeah, happens. totally. It's so funny. But yeah. And I remember I can pinpoint the day and like, I've, my life's never been the same. Not everyone has a story like that where they yeah, really remember right. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, yeah, it was that moment on that day, that Friday night when I was 16, you know, third week of July, we could go on a calendar and probably pick out exactly the day. Oh, cool. But yeah, so since then, um, after that, there was something spurred in me to like love God and really began to read mm. his word for the first time. I was mm-hmm. at a church. My first Baptist Richardson did a really good job for us pushing missions and talking about missions and taking youth and college students on mission. Mm. Um, you know, there's some things that some churches do better than others, but that was one thing. First Richardson, there's a, there's a family there that really pushed us to like, hey, what if next summer you went with us to, we had a partnership in Latvia. What if mm. we went and did this youth camp? And and so I did it. So I, I'd been a believer for a year and went on my first mission trip. Oh, cool. And so I've to had Latvia. a heart for it. Yeah, to Latvia. Okay. Yeah. A little tiny church in Latvia, Riga, Riga, Latvia. Yeah. Yeah. And so we went and like my eyes were opened to the need for the gospel. First time I'd met people who had never heard the gospel. Mm. And... Really from then, I eventually like fell in love with the word, began to serve in new ways in my youth group. I was always an attendee after that. I was involved. Mm -hmm. I was serving. Um, My youth pastor pretty much let me do whatever. He was like, oh, you want to share testimony at youth group? Do it. You want to teach a lesson for the first time? Do it. Like he helped me do that. Right. Uh, And so I loved him because he gave me like chances to try it, try things and try to share and try to teach and try to do that. And so went off to college at the university of North Texas, um, got super involved at the Baptist student ministry, the BSM Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a long story there of how I got there, but eventually the Lord led me there, got super involved. Once I walked in the door, I didn't leave Mm. until, uh, years later, even after graduation. So I was super involved there, met my wife there, uh, grew in my faith, evangelism, Bible studies, small groups. Yeah went on mission trips through the BSM and eventually my wife and I went to as journeymen. We felt the Lord call us to go be journeymen for two years. We said, why would we not go? We don't Mm -hmm. have a good reason not to go. Mm -hmm. So we went to Kenya and that's where we went for two years where we did campus ministry at the university of Nairobi and, uh, served American college students. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then, I guess I, I, I missed it. You know, I, I went on staff at my BSM for, for several okay. years after college, Yeah. then went to Nairobi, to Kenya for two years, and then came back, went to seminary. And long story short, because of COVID and jobs and praying and waiting and seeking, the Lord eventually, I heard about this position here in yeah. New Mexico. Yeah. I was like, New Mexico, where's that? And that's the joke, right? It's in the United States. <laughs> it's in the United States. Yeah, I can tell you that much. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You don't need a passport to go there. Yep. Most of us speak English. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Uh, and I just never, you know, even being from Texas, going to Lubbock and Amarillo my whole life, I yeah. never made it this far, you know, West. So, okay. um, yeah. So eventually learned a little bit more about the University of New Mexico, the need here, the lostness here. Mm-hmm. And man, there were multiple times in my life where I thought, man, I'm ready to move on to something 
bigger and better than college ministry. Mm. And the Lord just always like humbled me and re- reminded me the things I really love to do, which is like evangelism, discipleship, um, helping people just early on in their faith learn to walk with the Lord, like yeah, so many people yeah. did for me. I love to do that. That's campus ministry. Yeah. You know? And so just over and over, the Lord just reminded me like, man, that's where my heart is. That's what I love to do. Awesome. So eventually that led me here. And so I've yeah. been here since August of 21. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say it's yeah. coming. It's coming up on two years. Yeah. So this is my here. fourth yeah. semester. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's cool. kind of the long story. I've had two kids since then. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, and here we are. Yeah. You moved here with no kids and now you have two. No, we moved oh, here with one tiny one. One, one tiny yeah, one. Yeah, okay. one little one. Okay. She's three now, and we yeah. have a five-month-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fun, fun. So uh, that's, that's that's kind of my story of how I got here. Yeah, that's in, cool. In a couple minutes. Yeah. There's a there's a few, it, it's interesting knowing you and, and hearing your story, there's a few places where um, well, parts of your life and my life intersect, uh, or at least there are parallels in interesting ways. Uh, maybe not so much with my, well, with my wife's, how she came to know the Lord and like call it. So she came to know the Lord as uh, uh, I think a freshman in high school uh, cool. because her, she had a friend who invited her yeah. to go to church and uh, she went to camp yep. one summer and, uh, and it was at camp that she was like, totally. I, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, um, and then she, uh, she too was really involved with, um, I think she's, she's from Georgia. They call it B- BCM. So, for those that are listening, Baptists are if we're not good at anything but one thing, we're good at acronyms. Um, so <laughs> we have so, true. so we have BSU Baptist Student Union, BSM Baptist Student Ministries, BCM Baptist Collegiate Ministries, and and now Christian Challenge, which is uh, the West Coast version of all those. Exactly, and so so if if we overlap in terms, BSU BSM BCM Christian Challenge, it's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. Um, but uh, so so my wife was really involved with BCM. Uh, in maybe they called it BSU there. I, I'm so mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in uh, at at uh, Georgia State University, mm-hmm. and that's where she experienced kind of a, a call to ministry and and that sort of thing. And um, it, but then Nikki and I uh, spent time about a year in uh, Hawaii on the Big Island, mm. uh, ministering to college students there. I was the director of the BCM there. But yeah. Then, uh, yeah. And uh, for for a period of time, and really enjoyed, loved our time there. And then, of course, you work with my sister works with you yep. uh, at the challenge, and so yeah. uh, just there's just a lot of overlaps there. But um, so one of the things that, well, I guess the thing that you do m- most, more than anything, is um, share the gospel with and help. Well, our, our current college student generation, Gen Z, mm-hmm. mostly uh, come to know Christ, grow in their faith, and um, and and follow Jesus faithfully. Um, as I as I think about uh, just all the the various generational labels that get stuck on people, yeah, um, I, uh, I I don't know how I always feel about those. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Uh, I was born in 1982, and so I'm technically a millennial, but I but I feel more like a Gen Xer. Uh, when I see the things, you know, the rundowns totally. of who's what, I'm I'm kind of like on one of those like bridge years or whatever, um, and uh, and lots of people have lots of opinions about millennials, and some of them are true, and uh, and the rest of them are 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 partly true, I guess. Totally. Um, and then when Nikki and I were doing college ministry in Hawaii, we were ministering to so this was like. 
12 years ago now. Yeah. Good night. I'm getting old. Millennials. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, yeah, we were, we were millennials ministering to millennials. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm not going to ask you your age because I hear that that's a rude thing to do. To people. <laughs> uh, but I'm, you're probably a, a mid to late-ish millennial. Totally. Okay. Yep. But you're ministering mostly to, to Gen Zers. So, yes. so introduce our audience to Gen Z. Who are they? When were they born? Mm. Why should, you know, what characterizes who they are and what should we know about Gen Z? Yeah. So, so yeah. So, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a smack dab, perfect example of a millennial, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's who I am ministering to Gen Z, which are not like in a lot of ways, very different. Yeah. Totally. And so, yeah, like you said, there's like these big overarching, like generalizations that lots of sociologists and cultural anthropologists will make about Mm -hmm. generations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for people listening, you know, every, not every college student I meet on the campus is exactly this, right? Yeah. But they don't tick all the boxes. Exactly. But they will tick. And and honestly, a lot of them tick a lot of the boxes, Mm -hmm. whether they realize it or not. Yeah, sure. Um, So these are, again, big overarching terms. So really, I mean, when we think Gen Z, we think, you know, again, people argue what years, right? But really born late 90s. So some Uh would say 97, 98, all the way to like 2010. Some would say 2012 even, but like that's roughly the age. Again, we can argue people, I'll let them do that. Right. Late nineties, really. Right? We'll let the experts get yeah, it wrong. Yeah, yeah, totally. Late nineties to 2010, roughly. Yeah. Okay. And so some of the big things that mark this generation is they grew up with the internet, yeah. like being kind their of whole hip. life. Yeah. Which is not, which is not the case for a lot of millennials. Yeah. Like myself, we didn't get, we didn't get internet in our, so I didn't have a computer in my home until I was in middle school. And I don't think we got internet in my home until I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah. Like so I like I remember we had one computer in my house when I was in elementary school, uh, you know, in the late nineties, and it had dial up internet and it was my dad's computer. None of us touched it. None of us used it. Never. You know, that was his. Yeah. 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 You know, and so uh so they so they've grown up with the internet always existing. Mm-hmm. They've grown up with social media, most of them always being around. Uh I remember when I got my first Facebook late high school. Yeah. You know, in the late 2000s, uh-huh, uh-huh. I thought it was so cool where I could direct message someone <laughs> on Facebook. Like who uses Facebook yeah, for that yeah, anymore? I mean, yeah. people do, but like, yeah, you just totally. text people now, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, they ha- all have iPhones. They've mm-hmm. always had their mm-hmm. iPhones have always existed since yeah. they can probably remember. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and so some of the big markers that people like people will say for Gen Z is like, there's been a couple major quakes mm-hmm. in their lifetime mm-hmm. or things that have happened during this generation that have really marked them, one being 9-11. Yeah. Most of them live yeah. in a post-9-11 world, yep. which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Think a lot of things mm-hmm. changed. And even those that were born before 9-11 were only toddlers when it happened. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. So th- that's the only world they've known. So there's this like 9-11 happened, and all of a sudden there was this like, wow, the world is really small. And actually, yeah. people are really close, and people can hurt us. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a fear mm-hmm. built into culture mm-hmm. right after 9-11. Yeah. Then you get 2008 recession. Yeah. With that, you know, the housing crisis where watching their parents go through yeah losing jobs uncertainty totally that yeah. that has shaped this generation mm-hmm. and then like th- those ones were already r- rough you now have COVID which yeah. is the cherry on top yeah which has okay. wrecked most college students mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. where they are now even more fearful more isolated more lonely yeah more indecisive. Mm. And so you have these three big markers that have happened in their kind of like generation that's really shaped and turned culture really fast. Yeah. With the internet, with these major events, 
they are very different in a lot of ways from previous generations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. All all three of those those things, nine eleven, um, which of course there there are historical analogs to that. You totally, know, like Pearl Harbor. There's been, been other mitten. Yeah, totally. yeah it would have been like a similar kind uh-huh. of uh, an, an unexpected or, or or at least highly unanticipated attack from outside. Totally. But but it's off. It's offsetting. It's off-putting. Uh-huh. It's disorienting. Yeah, yeah. Um, the financial. Uh, crisis of 0809. Of course, again, th- there are historical analogs. The Great Depression, totally. Um, uh, and, and then, yeah, and then COVID. And of course, there's historical analogs. Yeah. The, the the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. you know, 19. So we've had those things, but 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 we're you know, man, almost a hundred years as a society. It, it, well, at least in terms of. Uh, yeah, almost a hundred years uh, separated from some of those major events, you know. The um, and so there have been uh, at least you know maybe two and a half, three generations in between uh, the 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 last most significant uh, disruptive events and what Gen Z is experiencing now. And so, like people from my generation and maybe my parents' generation who didn't experience a lot of that as a child, um, you know, we experience those things as adults. Nine eleven happened when I was. A freshman in college, um, so th- there was a lot of things that were already sort of in place for me uh, in life, I guess, at, at that point. But not for, yeah, you know, someone who is who is who's really young. So, how have those events impacted? On, again, on broad brushstrokes. How yeah. have those events impacted? How have they shaped Gen Z in the way that they view the world, and mm. and even how they they kind of view their own life and their own space in the world. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the big markers. So, like, with you know, a big marker that people say for millennials, you know, um, a lot of millennials, even like when 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 the Soviet Union fell in what is that ninety ninety one? Yeah, yeah, right. So you were not even ten. Yeah, right, right. I remember bits and pieces, yeah. not very. But like clearly. that was a big marker for a lot of they say for millennials. You're an old millennial, though. Yeah, but yeah. I am. But I like am. for millennials, where it's like, oh my gosh, our the greatest enemy in the world has fallen. Mm-hmm. We can now celebrate because the world is actually really yeah. coming together. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you have these events, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Ten years later you have nine eleven. Yeah. It's, and it's like, oh wait, wait what? the world's actually not as safe and not yeah. as put together and not as you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe healthier whole as maybe we thought, yeah. like there are still enemies out there. And so, yeah, so they're, I mean, a lot of Gen Z are, um, are really indecisive, mm-hmm. um, lots of options. Mm. Maybe those events haven't shaped it, but the internet has and technology has, yeah, for sure. there's a lot of fear and risk aversion because mm-hmm. of the 2008 yeah. kind of, they're yeah. very risk averse. So like a lot of my students, even my Christian students struggle to make decisions. Mm. So whether that's with technology and so many mm-hmm. options or whether it's like, well, if I make one wrong decision, yeah. it could ruin the rest of my life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Whereas millennials, I didn't really think like that. Mm. Not that I wasn't, mm. not that I was trying to be unwise, but yeah. I, I wasn't that just as didn't weigh, cautious. It didn't weigh into your yeah, social calculus totally. as heavily. Yeah. 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 Um, and so you have, you know, you have, the fear, the the risk aversion, uh, the indecisiveness. With COVID, they are more anxious and lonely mm. and isolated than ever before. Mm. I think especially in Albuquerque, where yeah. UNM is a big school, mm-hmm. but it's predominantly commuter. Yeah, yeah. And so most students that I meet, you know, say there's over twenty thousand students at the University mm-hmm. of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Most of them live at home with their mom mm-hmm. or dad or mm-hmm. family. And they go to campus, go to class, and then just go straight home. And yeah. so they're just as lonely 
mm. even though they're in college now than yeah. ever before, right? Right. So yeah. like they don't have the categories to like, where do I find community now that I'm in college? Well, I'm not going to fall into the university campus, and they're so they're more isolated. Mm. Um, maybe some socially awkwardness, right? Uh-huh. I've had uh-huh. some students come up to me and like, you know, am I? You know, am I socially awkward or am I like struggling with autism? And I'm like, I don't think you're like, like, like just because you're socially awkward doesn't mean yeah. you're autistic. Yeah. yeah right, right. Right. Sorry. I don't, I don't. That, right. To, <laughs> That's a real. I don't mean to laugh. Totally. Yeah. At, um, I've had that with at, multiple at students. students. It just, it just caught me off guard. You totally. Know? Yeah. But, uh, but like there is that social awkwardness yeah, of like, how do yeah. I communicate and make friends? And that's already hard enough when you like go off and go to college. Yeah. Right. Maybe at a more traditional school. It's even harder now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I did a little bit of, uh, research and study on, on Gen Z a few years ago for, um, for a, a seminar that, that I was in a class that I was in. And, um, and one of the things that I ran across and, and, and again, Gen Z studies were still pretty they were newish at that time. I mean, it's like three, four years ago, but again, yeah. you know, Gen Z's not that old. So they're just, they're, you know, just now really becoming adults and entering the workforce, that sort of thing. So yeah. a lot of the things that we will know a lot more about Gen Z five, 10 years down the road, even than we do now. But one of the things that I ran across was uh, that they were saying that in contrast to millennials who mostly had like helicopter parents, uh, you know, who, and, and uh, millennials who they all got, we all got participation trophies yep. for, you know, little league baseball and soccer. And well, stuff. I have hundreds. Everyone gets a trophy. Doesn't matter if you want anything. Totally. You know? So we are millennials. We get made fun of for, for, you know, for that. But one of the things that, that sets uh, Gen Z apart from, or at least this one study I looked at, so they set uh, Gen Z apart from millennials was that uh, mo- uh, Gen Z actually have a really a strong work ethic. Um, they're industrious, they're innovative, they, they're not lazy. Um, and that maybe some of that has been influenced by what they, well, by the world that they live in. They live in an, un, they realize they live in an uncertain world. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, they saw uh, financial and occupational uncertainty with their parents in, in maybe 2008, 2009, the, the uh, uh, financial crisis and that sort of thing. And so they know that there's nothing guaranteed and that if they're going to make something, of their life, if they're going to be productive, they've got to be productive and they can't just wait for it to come. Is that something that you see displayed that you see exhibited in, in the lives of your students? How do, how do you oh, see oh, that yeah. on campus? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think a good word that most studies even, yeah, I think there's still, that's still being pumped out is the, mm-hmm. even the word pragmatic, Okay, right? Yeah, like yeah. millennials, that wasn't, that didn't define millennials. We're all idealistic. Idealistic. Yeah. Let's yeah. just follow our passions and like, just do whatever yeah. you love and yeah. you can, yeah. you can find it purpose and happiness in a career mm-hmm. that well that's not true mm-hmm. we've all all the millennials we've realized that yeah, right like yeah, yeah. you know we were sorely disappointed yeah right so yeah i think gen z is very pragmatic they're very realist yeah. they're they are hardworking. they are um they they put in they have good work ethic mm-hmm. they 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 are again but it goes back to that fear aversion that risk yeah. aversion yeah they're trying to like if i can do these things and work hard now mm-hmm. then i can set up to have like a safe, comfortable, good life, mm, mm. right? Gen-, Gen Z cares about that, like actual, in some ways, even more like family oriented, um, normal American life than even millennials did. Millennials were like, let's just go and like be hippies again yeah. and like YOLO, do art. YOLO, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, Gen Z's not that way as much where yeah. they, yeah, do, man, I, I think I do need a good job. And at UNM, UNM's a great STEM school. 
right. overwhelming majority of my students, mm-hmm. and especially students I meet on campus, mm-hmm. are STEM majors STEM because fields. those provide good jobs. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. provide stable careers. Mm-hmm. You know, going into medical or engineering or yeah. something like that. Yeah, especially here in New Mexico, those jobs exist. So yeah, overwhelming totally. majority of my students, the students I meet, are doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, they're it's safe, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it will provide, at least on paper, yeah, a a a, a good life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, there's a tendency um, among older people. Uh, and and I include myself in in that you know uh, to to look at generations uh, behind them and say ah oh, those what do those kids know you know and and to, to and we've seen that you know like every generation always looks at the next generation with a little bit of like uh, you'll learn when you get older or totally you know, yeah um, so there and and that we just I don't know we have a disposition toward younger people that is maybe more critical than it should be optimistic so. Give us an an optimistic view of Gen Z. What's what's good mm. about them? What is maybe praiseworthy? What is worth taking notice of and and totally being, being yeah. glad for? Yeah, yeah. I think one for them. Um, every study, and this again goes back to what's been happening in our culture recently. Yeah, with all the social justice and equality and these pushes, right? Uh, Gen Z is really caring. They're really mm. loving. They they they. They will fight for justice. They will fight for equality. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, want to help other people. Yeah. Um, and so I think in even those characteristics of like these are characteristics that I, of course like these are very Christian ideas. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. these are things that Jesus modeled: mm-hmm. caring for the poor, caring for others, um, uh, pr- fighting for justice. Right. You, we get into what how that plays out. Right. But these sure. ideas. That Gen Z love and are mm-hmm. and they like equality. Mm. That's that's good, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think some of those things. So caring, loving, equal, fight for equality, mm-hmm. um, fight for justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think are some characteristics. The yeah, like we said, very very pragmatic and hardworking, mm-hmm. um, willing to do what they need to do, especially here in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Maybe even more so than other places. Like do things for their family. Like yeah. Very family driven. Mm. Like, you know, oh, my, my family, go again, going back to 2008, we had a hard time. A lot of my students here that I meet still are really close to their families, which mm. I don't think is a bad thing, right? There's yeah, some, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there's some, there's some hiccups that come in there, you know, with dealing from, for me with parents and like, you know, trying to talk to a student about like, hey, you want to go on a mission trip this summer? And their parents are a little hesitant, you know, like those mm-hmm, things come mm-hmm. up or like, oh, I can't do that. I have to be at home to, to care for my siblings. Right. So that's a yeah. culture here is very family oriented. And I yeah. think Gen Z care about those things. Mm. Um, and so I think those are a couple of the main ones of like yeah. just lonely, caring, not not lonely, but like um, caring, loving, sorry, mm-hmm. loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so loving and lonely. They are, are lonely are, though. Yeah, we are talked about things. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But the good things, yeah. caring, loving, mm. fight for equality, fight for justice, fight for rights. Um, yeah. Maybe some of that deepened sense of, of loneliness comes from some of that, that, that generational trend toward caring, loving, taking care of others, but then, but, but having that, um, having that, that value, I suppose, uh, maybe also may highlight in a, in a, in a, in a more negative way, the times when you don't feel loved or cared for or seen. And, and so being a caring person might enhance, 
in a negative way, uh, feelings of loneliness when you do have them because it's so contrary to totally your ideal. Yeah, and there's a, and, and and this is the you know the big thing with Gen Z. There's like this big disconnect where they're depressed and anxious and lonely more than any other generation. Yet with technology, they're more connected to people than ever before. So just because they're connected online and they see all their friends and they have their apps, you know, the new one is Be Real. Have you heard of it, Stephen? No, Be Real. I dude, I'm okay. so it's old. It's called Be Real <laughs> because Gen Z values authenticity. The word B or or just the letter? Yeah, B E B. Okay, so, all right. So it's the good. app literally is is like Facebook's fake, okay. Instagram's fake, okay. TikTok's okay. fake. Yeah, Be Real. Be Real. Yeah, Be Real. I, and so. But even that, there's ways to get around the be real, like the authenticity. There's ways to uh-huh. postpone it, and then my students will get mad at one another and like, oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, James, you you posted your be real post five yeah. hours late, so that wasn't real, you know. Like they'll do <laughs> stuff like that. But there's that disconnect with yeah. Gen Z of like, yeah. maybe you're right, like, and we really love these things, but I don't feel this over here. Mm. So I'm, where do I find that? Yeah. There's the disconnect. Yeah. There's this loneliness. There's this. They're looking for th- purpose and meaning and value. Mm-hmm. And they 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 champion these certain ideas, yet they're lonely, depressed, isolated, anxious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the study from last year, twenty twenty two, forty two percent of Gen Z have some kind of mental health diagnosis. Yeah, that's forty two percent, and the highest one is anxiety. Yeah. Sure, but sure. anxiety, depression being the top two, forty two percent. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, um, w- one of the things that. Uh, in an earlier episode of this podcast, I spoke with uh, Lance Borden, who's a uh, international mission board missionary yeah. in uh, in Vienna, and uh, and we talked specifically about ministering to and sharing the gospel with people in post Christian cultures, mm. where where Christianity once had uh, a significant cultural influence, but now is more like a significant cultural artifact. Totally. Um, Gen Zers are growing up in an increasingly post-Christian world, uh, even if they live in cities or countries where where uh, where the church once had an influence. Uh, now, you know, churches may church buildings may dot the landscape as artifacts of something gone by, and and maybe not so much a a um, an ongoing influential yeah. factor. So, uh, is that is that something you observe with students that you're working with? Do do they do they view the world as sort of post Christian? Um, and uh, and where is um, well, where are most of your students coming from spiritually speaking? Uh, are they coming from or, or students that you meet on campus? Are they coming from mostly? Christian or, or, or religious background homes mm-hmm. or non-religious background. We, we heard a lot about the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, you know, mm-hmm. people responding on national uh, census that, that they have none or no religious affiliation. Yeah. Uh, are those the kind of homes that most of your students are coming from that, or, or students that you see on campus? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of students here in Albuquerque, um, I would say are maybe more familiar with Christian ideas, you know, but, but, yeah. but very much because of the Catholic influence here. So it's, it's, mm. it's, it's, you know, from our Baptist perspective, it's, it's, or our Protestant perspective. Yeah. It's very, it's different. Yeah. Right. But yes, I think it is very post Christian. I think here, mm-hmm. you know, most students have never read the Bible. Mm. I would yeah. say most yeah. students, you know, every year know less and less about the Bible, mm. less and less about what the Bible actually says about 
Jesus or people yeah. or sin or mm. uh, the world or what it means to be human. Um, when you have, you know, Professor TikTok who who teaches you all things, right? Sure, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you have these influencers who can get millions of views by, you know, doing a simple, you know, critiquing mm-hmm. Christian doctrine, and they yeah. view that as truth over 2,000 years of theology, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think, yeah, in our culture, and especially here on campus, overwhelming majority of people are probably either from a Catholic background, mm-hmm. which, again, that doesn't mean a lot. That means yeah. they are... It's just a background. Doesn't just mean a background. They don't practice. That they have any... They necessarily have any commitments there. Right? Totally, yeah. We could, say, we could say the same about people coming from a, a Baptist or Presbyterian... Totally, in this ...non-denominational South. background, mm-hmm. right? That It doesn't necessarily mean they have commitments, just... Yeah. It was part of the water they swam in. Totally, yeah. yeah. That's what their family is, so that's what they are, right? Um, and so then... But then you also... I would even say, like, so many people I meet on campus, yeah, are coming from, like... Maybe they're coming from some kind of Catholic or spiritual background, but maybe they're more yeah. agnostic. Mm, mm-hmm. I really don't meet a ton on campus, and maybe those are the people who shut me down and don't want to talk to me, but I don't really yeah. meet a ton of atheists, like mm. true atheists who yeah. like don't believe in anything. Yeah. Like I think Gen Z is so much... I think they're super spiritual, right? Mm. They're post-Christian. Right. They love all the stuff about the kingdom of God, right? right. They love, again, justice, justice the love, care. equality, yeah. caring, the mercy, the grace. Yeah. Um, but they just don't want anything to do with the God mm. or the king of the kingdom, right? Yeah. They don't want anything I love to all do the with... values. I hate the king. Correct, yeah. yeah. The yeah. king is all of these values. Yeah. He's perfectly all these values, mm-hmm. but I don't want him. So, so that, yeah. yeah, so that that's really interesting. How, uh, how then do you, what are some of, so if we're wanting to share the, the gospel with not yet believing Gen Zers, Help us think through some helpful starting points for a conversation like that. Where do I, where, you know, in past generations, four spiritual laws worked well, totally, but there yeah. was already culturally uh, kind of a, a reverence for God, yeah. um, a, I mean, not universal, but maybe broadly distributed understanding that there was a God, a, a broad understanding of morality, um, that sort of thing, that you, that we could, you know, four spiritual laws, God, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah. Uh, sin is a problem. Jesus is the answer. Yeah. You know, trust him. Um, I'm messing those up. I was never trained. That, that's laws. okay. I mean, somebody either, that's listen, you... somebody's listening to this and, and they're, and they're going to call in and complain and say, yeah. what kind of pastor are you? You don't know all four spiritual yeah. laws. Like, <laughs> well, I guess a bad one. Um, but help us, th- help us to think through starting a, con- a spiritual conversation, a gospel conversation with the Gen Z or where does it start? How do you get yeah. to those hard issues? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, again, you know, it, it comes back to, to thinking about, you know, the culture that they've grown up in, mm-hmm. you know, the idea like Tim Keller, he has a little book, how to, I think it's how to reach the West again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he talks about connecting dots. Yeah. Like yeah. you've said those dots, there's less and less dots to connect yeah. to this generation from the gospel. Whereas before you could say the word sin and 50 mm-hmm. years ago, people knew what you meant. Yeah. People don't know what you mean anymore when you right. say sin. Right. So... Like even our language in a lot of ways has to change. We have to think missionally, right? Mm-hmm. Like as a missionary, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, thinking about, you know, what did our mission, what do our IMB missionaries do mm-hmm. when they go into a new culture mm-hmm. where they're not going in using American Christianese? So yeah. I think that's step one of like, what is the language I want to use? And then methods of how to get there. If we think, you know, a lot of students, 
in a lot of Gen Zers are open to spiritual things, right? If we're mm-hmm. like thinking postmodern, where truth is relative, um, they all again see that there's something wrong with the world, that the world is broken. Most of them will admit that there's something off about them. Yeah. Right. So I need to do something to fix myself first. Okay. I just talked to a guy today who used that language. Self care. Like yeah, like self help, self care. Mm-hmm. Like I need to get right with me first figure out me and then I can help other people. Mm. Right. So the, even thinking through that language, yeah. most of them are on some kind of like, I like to use the word spiritual journey. Okay. Right. You know, Christianity yeah. and following Jesus is spiritual, mm-hmm. right. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be walk by the spirit yep. filled with the spirit. Yep. Right. So even ours, you know, we get scared of that and like spiritual,ity Well, that's kind of scary, but it is a spiritual, we have, mm-hmm. we're spiritual mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And so I like to use that language of like, you know, when I'm meeting students, you know, if they're from a Catholic background, I might, might ask more questions of like, oh, you're a Catholic. How does that, and I would do this with a culturally Protestant student as well, but mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. how does that play out in your life? How mm-hmm. does that impact your life? Or how does that, what does that look like day to day to be a Catholic? What does that mean? Mm, yeah, right. So yeah. I think it comes back to like asking really good questions. Yeah, sure. Listening to their answers, if they're spiritual, or even if they are from a Catholic background or whatever, like using that language of like, what's your, how's your spiritual journey been? Right. Um, where are you at on that journey? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your goal in your journey? What are you aiming for? What do you hope to to be one day? Yeah. Yeah. Because most Gen Z again know. That's one of my favorite questions to ask Gen Z: is what's mm-hmm. wrong with the world? Mm-hmm. And then ask how do we fix it? Yeah. What's the solution? What, yeah. What are some? I would love to know what what are some of the more common answers that you get to that question to, to those questions? What What do most students say to you when you ask what's wrong with the world? Man, we've done like whiteboard. We'll go on campus and do a whiteboard and write what's wrong with the world, and they can write all their answers. Yeah. And you know, I've gotten everything from like racism. It's all the things we've been talking about: racism, injustice, yeah. inequality. The funniest one one time someone wrote Jeff Bezos. And I was like, you think Jeff Bezos? And he was like, okay, well, well, maybe greed. And I was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny yeah. that you wrote Jeff Bezos. <laughs> um, every, and then all, everything from, from that, Jeff Bezos, to white people, to yeah. everything in between, right. more serious answers, communism, capitalism. You get mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. Because mm-hmm. um, most of them are trying to figure out, okay, what's the biggest problem? But even then, a lot of them will say, well, there's a lot of problems. Yeah. They'll yeah. never say me. One time I wrote, because uh, like, that's like the Christian, right? That's like the yeah. kind of the, yeah. the snarky Christian response uh-huh. is like, uh-huh. I'm the problem, which uh-huh. is true. Like us as sinners, that's the problem. Right. right. Racism stems from sinful hearts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, so one time I wrote like me on the board and mm-hmm. before students saw me do it, like they didn't yeah. see me. So they just yeah. someone walked by and they're yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. They're not the problem, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so there's a disconnect yeah, yeah. even there of like thinking about, you know, there's things wrong with the world, but it's not, I'm not the cause or I'm not mm-hmm. the problem mm-hmm. in the world. And so there's that disconnect again, thinking about sin and God and how we relate to God. There's yeah. a disconnect. Totally, God is seen in the spiritual world is seen as more of like, how can I go up kind of take whatever I need and mm-hmm. apply it to my life to mm. make me better, to fix me. It's very animistic. It's very yeah. new agey. It's yeah. very, um, and so, so using those languages of like, okay, you know, yeah, the, your question was, you know, what's wrong with the world? Those are a lot of the mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. but it's never them. It's never yeah. people. Yeah. It's always these bigger ideas or it's mm-hmm. those people over there mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. And so the answer is often just get rid of those people Totally, over there. yeah. We yeah. just need to get rid of capitalism. We just need to yeah. get rid of communism. We just need to get rid of all the racist bigots. Yeah. We just need to yeah. get rid of. Uh-huh. So it's always those people. Yeah. That's the solution. That to me, it seems like I w- if I were having a conversation with somebody, 
uh, with a Gen Zer or just someone who felt, who thought, who uh, lived that way, I would be really, I would be really tempted uh, to want to to want to like push back a little bit and say, isn't that a little too simplistic? That the biggest problem in the world is that thing over there or that group over there, and then and that the the way to fix everything is to just get rid of this structure, get rid of those, but just round them all up, you know, ship them to the yeah. moon. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna kill them because we're not totally. we're not genocidal. Uh, but you know, yeah. move them to a, a penal colony somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just yeah, to totally. find a new Australia exactly. and, and and move all those people, and then everything will be okay. Um, we'll have this perfect society and we'll go back to the way it was. But, but yeah, like Gen Z really is. And here's another big, like you look at like popular genres in like books and like fiction movies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gen Z's kind of grown up in this culture of this like dystopia. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Hunger games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maze runner Uh or like some of the big ones. There's, there's a ton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You, you have a daughter who's maybe read some of them, right? Or maybe not though. She, she maybe well, she's not there you know, yet. she's work. Yeah, that she's uh, she's been reading some of the Hunger, Hunger Games now and kind of kind of getting into it. And it's uh, so it's all this it's dystopian yeah. where it like on the outside looks really good. Yeah. But deep down, the whole point of the book is that no, there's a yeah, under, everything's a disaster. Everything's broken. Yeah. Gen Z understand that, but mm-hmm. they don't see themselves as the problem. Mm. And so yeah, so the mm. so a lot of the ways you know like we go about like hey, so we get there, we're talking about their spiritual journey, what's going on, mm-hmm. how is this going. It sounds like you're just trying to, they'll pick and choose like, oh, maybe I will go to Easter service. Maybe that can help me be better. But I'll also try this like incense. I'll also try this tarot reading. I'll also Mm. do these other things. So it's very syncretistic, just grabbing whatever scratches an itch and and working with it. And so that's probably why we see uh, groups arising that would call themselves, you know, like Buddhist Christians or... I've even heard uh, totally. the the phrase like Hindu Christian before. Yeah, it's just that, yeah. like what? yeah, I'm just I'm just grabbing from you know yeah whatever works yeah or, or so, whatever seems to work yeah. So the and yeah. so there's a dis, there's a you know a misunderstanding of the purpose of life. There's a misunderstanding of why we're here. There's a misunderstanding yeah. of how we are restored or made whole or mm-hmm. made new. Mm-hmm. Like those are that's language that I use more yeah. with students yeah. than maybe I like maybe previous generations where we'd be like you're just a sinner and you need to repent. Mm-hmm. I'll get mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm talking to some students, you know, I'm using like, man, the wholeness or like the fix or like uh, um, this purpose that you're chasing after, mm-hmm. um, this renewal, it's only found in Jesus. Like mm. Jesus has come to to make all things new, including you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it starts with seeing that you can't fix yourself. Right. That nothing in the world can do that. Right. Only Jesus. Uh-huh. And so, so I've really found... Uh, when sharing stories and talking to, you know, I ask them their spiritual story, then I say, hey, I, and I, I try to do a lot of permission-based, mm-hmm. so I'm not mm-hmm. just like talking, 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 yeah. get them to say like, hey, do you mind if I share my spiritual story with you? Sure. Man, I feel like I have a lot of peace in my life. Mm-hmm. My life's not perfect, mm-hmm. but do you mind if I share like where I've come from and how I've found a lot of joy and peace and hope? Yeah. And then I share my testimony. That's the yeah. that's the Christian word yeah. testimony. Yeah. Right. Right. But right. again, we could use the words my spiritual journey and how totally. Jesus has transformed and renewed. And that's the big yeah. thing. Gen Z, they're seeking after transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't want more knowledge. They don't want right. more information. I mean, they right. need information, right? Because they don't know. But at the same time, it's not information that saves us. Totally. Right. Yeah. Uh, how I mean, how many people in the world know that the Bible? communicates to us that Jesus is the son of God who died for sins 
and was raised again. They know what the Bible says. Yeah. There's information, um, but ultimately it's not that it's not that it's it's God's grace through faith that saves. It's not Christianity or becoming a Christian. It's not just giving mental assent to a set of propositions. Yeah. Right. Um, it is trusting your life to Christ, who died for sins and was raised again, in order to make, in order to restore, to renew uh, our relationship with God, uh, mm. and then transform us, like you're saying, into His image to take who we are and make us into who He wants us to be. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it's absolutely true. Jesus died on the cross for sins and was raised again totally. for our justification. Totally. But that's not the only effect of the gospel. Yeah. That's not the only effect of Christ's death and resurrection is is fire insurance. Yeah. Uh, it's also the promise of transformation, sanctification. Yeah. Whatever biblical word you want to use there. Yeah. Um, but part of redemption, part of being uh, rescued from sin, is also being rescued from the effects of of sin, totally, including brokenness in your own life, um, brokenness in the world, um, and uh, and that's I think that is sometimes uh, maybe an avenue to sharing the gospel or a facet of the gospel uh, that many of us who spend a lot of time in church kind of forget about, or it just I don't know it gets backburnered. You know, we're, yeah. we're so focused on forgiveness of sins that we maybe leave out altogether um, what happens. After forgiveness of sin, it's it's you know no longer being transformed to the pattern of this world, but uh, I'm sorry, conformed to the pattern of this world, yeah. but transformed by the renewing of our mind, yeah. um, which happens as as God works those things out in us. Um, it seems to me, uh, at least I hear you saying that 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 point of, of of focusing on the transformative effect of of who Christ is, what mm-hmm. He does in us as we trust Him, is is maybe one of the the key key points to to press or to um to wade in on with with Gen Zers or, or at least those who who think like them. Yeah, totally. And you know, like, you know, generations past would have been, you know, like fire and brimstone would have worked like mm-hmm. get out of jail, like mm-hmm. get out of hell free card, mm-hmm. right? But if you don't believe in God but or they, heaven or hell. But that so 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 like there is this element where we yes, we I we, I still I preach you know, Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. Like mm-hmm. we are part of the problem of mm-hmm. what's wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. We have a part to play. Yep. We are sinners in need of salvation. Yep. But, and this is, I think, yeah, where a lot of, at least in America, where we get maybe too spiritual. And again, Baptists, like like uh, struggling with what do we do with the, the Holy Spirit? Like that's kind of like mystical to mm-hmm. some Protestant denominations, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's too far. We'll leave that to, to those people over there. Mm-hmm. You know, but there is that element, like you said, like Acts chapter two, where like Joel the prophesied and Peter mm-hmm. understood, like mm-hmm. in these last days, the spirit will be poured out. Yeah. And those last days began when Jesus died and resurrected uh-huh. Uh-huh. and went to, to went to sit at the, the right hand of God and he poured out his spirit yeah. to transform lives, yeah. to renew that relationship to God. And so I think mm-hmm. Gen Z, they need to hear that. They've mm. never heard that before. Mm. I meet so many students who have never heard the real full gospel. Yeah. I don't know. An overwhelming majority of students I meet who are not from like a Christian family have mm-hmm. never heard that. Mm. Never heard it. What's the piece that they're most often missing? Um, 
um, a lot of my students even don't even understand like, you know, God is both loving and just, which Gen Z loves both those ideas. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that God is loving and just Uh meets perfectly on the cross Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where God's love is displayed in his justice. Mm -hmm. His wrath is, is poured out onto those who, onto Jesus for those who believe. Uh And so I think a lot of even my Christian students are like, whoa, that's mind blowing. Yeah. Right. But then even non-believers, I think there's that element of, of that they're, renewal is possible. And mm-hmm. that's actually Jesus came so that you could have peace. Mm. Mm. That's what they're looking for, mm-hmm. peace mm-hmm. in their life that they don't have. They're, yeah. And so secular culture just teaches them to like doubt everything. And so they're like, well, yeah. secular culture teaches us to doubt everything. It doesn't give us any answers, mm. you know? And so then they're just like left yeah. wandering in the dark mm-hmm. trying to, and, and really mm-hmm. when we think about generation, like that joke about millennials getting trophies, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, if we're going to blame anyone, let's blame our parents for doing that because yeah. they did it. I didn't ask for a trophy every time I played soccer when I was four. Listen, you, know? you can blame your parents, but my mom might listen to this podcast. So that's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like those. Yeah, yeah. Like Gen totally. Z is growing up in a yeah. culture where, yeah. I mean, they are hurting mm-hmm. and they didn't do anything to inherit this culture. Like they were born at yeah. this time. Yeah in this culture and they're hurting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, yeah, it's easy for older generations to look back and like look down. Mm-hmm. But Gen Z didn't mm-hmm. do anything to like be born at this time with these yeah. issues yeah. and have these types they of didn't, problems. They didn't make 9-11 happen. They yeah. didn't make the financial crisis happen. They didn't make COVID happen. Yeah. yeah. And now they are really feeling the weight of it mm-hmm. in ways that mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, and so, so yeah, so I think with Gen Z sharing our testimony is really powerful. Mm. Like, hey, you're on a spiritual journey. They're drawn to story. They're drawn to story. If truth in postmodern context isn't absolute, Mm -hmm. it's experiential and Mm feelings-based, who, if they're being honest Mm -hmm. intellectually, who who are you to tell me that my spiritual testimony, my story is not true? Right, right. This is my story. This is my truth about Jesus. Who are you to tell me? Right, so that's a really powerful, I think. Yeah, so how do you... So in a... and it's not just Gen Zers. It's like our, our culture, just in general, it thinks, thinks yes. that way, right? That, yeah. That's just a uh, that's an aspect of living in a postmodern world, totally uh, an, an era that comes after modernism, yeah. uh, which says truth is relative. Um, the idea or the ideal of constant progress through mm. technological and scientific in- innovation, postmoderns have said. Uh, no, that, that ain't going to happen because, you know, postmodernism starts like sometime maybe in the early 20th century, 1920s or so, but then was like firmly solidified as part of the, at least the Western, um, uh, mindset after the detonation of, uh, of, of nuclear weapons in, um, um, uh, in world war two, mm. they saw all of that scientific progress and what did it get us? massive destruction. And so that's when postmoderns go, never mind, we're not, science is not the answer here. Um, Although it's not, not an answer. It's not, we're still going to use it. Yeah, we're still going to use it, but it's not the answer. So um, I had a train of thought and I lost it. It'll come back to me. So in a world, in a postmodern world where, where uh, most people would want to say, my truth is my truth. Truth is relative. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not something, it's just, it's, it's, my story is my story, and who are you to tell me that it's wrong? Uh, even even in a culture where story is powerful, um, how do you hmm, how how do you communicate the gospel in a way that that breaks through that maybe that that disposition of someone to say, "Well, that's just for you, Jay. Mm. Jesus works for you." Yeah. 
He may not work for me. And that's fine. He can work for you. But don't tell me he's the only thing that can work for me. How do you work through that that resistance to to absolute truth? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's 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 the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, in a culture that doesn't believe in it. Yeah. How do we get to that point? Well, that's good for you. This is my story, right? I think it again comes down to like, okay, so uh, there's, you know, some other like evangelism techniques that I've thought about, like there's one popular one, you know, called the three circles that I mm-hmm, think is really good mm-hmm. that again, it, the three circles fits perfectly with our culture now because yeah. it kind of fits this, you know, there's something wrong with the world. How do we fix it? We're all part of this world. We're all trying to do things to get back to this good design that God had. Right. Um, and that's only through Jesus. And, 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 and in some ways that's where we can, I think, push back on like, do you really believe in, in, in an absolute in, 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 in relativism, mm-hmm. um, if there is one answer, wouldn't you want yeah. it? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and sometimes I just put it on them of like, well, what if there is one answer? Mm. Could that be true? Or like, what if they're, yeah. what if they're, you know, what if this could be true? And, and ultimately in a lot of ways, I really am, you know, just trusting the spirit of like, Hey, why don't you come and like read these stories of this Jesus? Mm. Like come in mm. and using that language, come and experience this yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I loved, I'm a big, um, when we were overseas with IMB in Kenya, we did a lot of like Bible storying where we mm-hmm. would learn stories and be able to recite them. Mm-hmm. Man, I love to do that with students because most students don't know the stories of Jesus and those stories, I think, are really powerful because they've never heard these stories. Right. And so I try to sometimes invite them into uh, into that of like, hey, you want to come actually like see this Jesus? Mm. Do you want to come taste this Jesus? You want to come like experience this? And, and, you know, a lot of times they don't, right? Because that's the trouble of like, you know, maybe it's, okay, that's your truth. This is my truth. You want to come see this Jesus that I've talked about. You want to yeah. come experience him. Yeah. You want to come get a taste. Uh and maybe they say yes, maybe they say no. Maybe you just try to set up another conversation with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, just as you're talking, inviting people to come read read the stories of Jesus, right? D- don't just rely on what you've heard other people say about him. Actually open these biographies of Jesus that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, and read about him yourself, right? Yeah. Um, uh, that, I, that seems like um, it, it potentially very helpful, maybe fruitful, um, you know, segue into, or, or just part of the evangelism, evangelism process, uh, with, with, with a Gen Zer is just say like, Hey, just don't rely on all the things you think, you know, uh, or have heard from others, but, but actually read it yourself. And, 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 but that's a, a thoroughly Christian thing to do though, is to invite people to read about Jesus. I mean, it's why, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their biographies of Jesus mm-hmm. was so that people would know or could know who he is. Yeah. Uh, I think as you were talking, I was just thinking of John um, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, His the, the reason that he writes mm. his gospel. He says, and Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, which is to say... Uh, I, yeah. I, could have, I could have written a whole lot more about what he did. Totally. Right? He says in verse 31, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Totally. Um, John is saying, I wrote this so that you would read it and know this Jesus. Um, yeah. Know him in truth and and in trusting him and believing Have the life that he promises to give. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full or whatever transition yeah, you read there. Totally. Right? And, and that seems to me 
a longing uh, for uh, among this current generation of, of young people, a life that matters, a life with significant purpose, yeah. um, uh, a, a life that isn't just filled with experiences, um, but but a life that is that is ending up somewhere, like a, a life that's purposeful. Yeah, yeah, and Jesus promises that. Yeah, totally. And so I think that idea of inviting people in mm-hmm. to like come and experience this Jesus mm-hmm. um, is good. You know, this last fall uh, at at our big you know Thursday night Bible study, our yeah. theme was who did Jesus think he was, mm-hmm. which is kind of you know like oh you know like that's a classic like I think it's a yeah. C.S. Lewis quote where he's like he's either a liar, lunatic, or Lord, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right? But I think that's really powerful. The reason we did it was because again in a culture where you know who are you to say who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I flip that a lot of times when I'm talking to students of like, well, who are you to say who Jesus is? Have you actually mm-hmm. ever read the Bible? Yeah. Like, this is who Jesus claimed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, stop trying to make up who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Would mm-hmm. you want to actually come see him for what he actually says about himself? Yeah. Right? right. And so I think that can be just inviting people in to come and finally mm-hmm. experience this. And then if they want to get it, oh, well, I can't trust the Bible. Well, I can't. Let me talk to you about that. So then you get into more apologetics, right? Yeah. I mean, I always try to bring it back to Jesus yep, and experiencing Jesus, walking with Jesus, learning about who this really Jesus, because no, yeah. most people, most Gen Z have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and, and I, I think too, um, I'm not against apologetics. I, it's good. Yeah. Uh, we should be ready. Like, like Peter says, we should be ready to be able to give a defense for the, for the hope that we have. Yeah. Um, and he uses that word, the word of defense is apologia, an apologetic, right? Not yeah. an apology, like, oh, I'm so sorry, I believe yeah. this. Yeah. But, <laughs> right? but a defense for, for what we believe and why we believe it. That's good. Um, but we we don't lean so much into apologetics that we forget or dismiss or don't hold tightly in the other hand, just the power of God's word to do his work yeah. uh, in the hearts of people. Hebrews 4, uh, 12 and 13, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Yeah, Scripture promises that it will work uh, as people as people read it yeah and that's what it does and so there's kind of a there's a sort of a two-handed approach there i guess totally. on, on the one hand be ready to give a defense but on the other hand be ready to give people god's word mm. and and trust that god's going to do what he says he will do through it totally yeah, yeah. yeah. and i think that i think those are those are those are the things that i really think through of like mm-hmm. apologetics is important I yeah. really like apologetics. But it's not ultimate. But it's not ultimate. And honestly, because of postmodernism, mm-hmm. it's not as effective as it used yeah. to be. Well, that's just your truth. Totally. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? That's yeah. so true. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, I've heard one more at one more L added to the 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 trilemma of oh, yeah, who Jesus yeah, yeah. is liar, Lord, lunatic, or more commonly now, people will say he's just a legend. Yeah, yeah, legend. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah, legendary figure who maybe some people maybe he, he may have, he probably existed, he probably died, but uh, uh, but his resurrection that's all just it's legendary. It's you know, yeah. and so so there's there is need for some I think apologetic approach at least like to say no historically we have really good reason to believe totally. not just that Jesus was an historical person, and that he died on a cross. But we also have good historical reason to believe he rose from the dead. Um, but that's a whole other... Totally, you know, yeah. That's yeah, an yeah. apologetic thing, of course. You yeah. know, it's on the apologetic side. 
but also we want to expose people to what the Bible said yeah. uh, or says and, um, and, and, and invite them. And I've, I've tried to start doing this uh, more. You know, m- my regular context is preaching mostly to believers um, and discipling already existing believers. But I've started to, knowing that, that on any given Sunday, there may be a non-believer in our worship totally. service, who who by God's grace has uh, they may not see it that way, but yeah, I do. Uh-huh. By God's uh-huh. grace ha- has shown up, and so I have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to someone who may have never heard it before, uh, but also to invite them to 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 read. And right now I'm in a sermon series in Mark and uh, Mark's gospel, and I I found myself somewhat regularly saying, if you if you don't know about Jesus, I like, or you think you know something about well, do yourself a favor and at least read read what the bible actually says yeah. uh, pick up one of these biographies of jesus and read it and and do it with and do it with an open mind and an open heart and as much as you're able even if you're not a believer maybe you don't believe in god it doesn't hurt to pray to a god you don't believe in i don't think right and and maybe just as you're reading maybe pray god if you're real if jesus is true yeah reveal it to reveal it to my heart convince me of it open my eyes to see it yeah. And uh and I think that may sound kind of risky. And and I don't say that like flippantly, but I think it's okay to ask non-believers to do things that they wouldn't naturally want to do. Totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah, give people the opportunity because I think most people have never been given that invitation. Mm-hmm. I think most people mm-hmm. have never been invited to do something even just like that yeah. on a Sunday yeah. like you've just yeah. shared yeah. or with a student who's like, hey, do you want to come and read the Bible with me? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I've never been asked to do that before. Or, oh, I've never been asked that question. Hey, have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Oh, mm-hmm. I've, never, I've never been asked if I've put my faith in Jesus before. Like, what do you yeah. mean by that? Yeah. Uh, are you right with God? You know, like we could go on and right. on and on. I think most people have never, that's not normal stuff that people hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, yeah, keep doing it. Keep inviting. Yeah. Strikes me too that um, Gen Zers, if we, if we approach them with the gospel and... And we just like, even if we're using a tool that maybe fits their worldview a little bit better, like three circles or something like that, we'll put a link in the show notes to three circles so people can be aware of it and use it and, and, and adopt it as, a, as, a, as another tool in the toolbox of evangelism. But um, that even if we're approaching a Gen Zer with uh, a presentation of the gospel, mm. um, but, there's, but they sense no real... Because they struggle with things like because they love people, they're caring, but they're also exceptionally lonely. They know when they're not loved or cared for. They see through a lot of the uh, a lot of the phony masks. Sort of like if yeah. they if they in any sense feel that a Christian is just trying to use them as another notch on their religious belt. Totally. Uh, that they're that they're gonna they're gonna push that away. It's that it's that love for authenticity yeah. and disdain for inauthenticity um, that. Um, that might cause them to reject the gospel because the person who's presenting it to them isn't genuine. Yeah. And, and I don't think that excuses their rejection of the gospel, oh, totally. but I think it does say something to us about believers that, um, that, that Jesus loves the lost and so should his followers. We should love the lost too. Yeah. And not just love them enough to share the gospel with them. Of course that, at least that, but also love them enough to know who they are Love them enough to to really love them, and and so in presenting the gospel, however we might do it with a Gen Z or with a, a someone uh, with a post Christian person or a a, a post modern person, um, we have to remember 
that these are people made in God's image uh, and worthy of dignity and respect, even as we share the gospel with them. That relationship is, um, and, and maybe being being ready to commit to a relationship of evangelism. Uh, I don't want to say relational evangelism, but a relationship of evangelism or evangelism that that comes along with relationship with friendship with a person, um, and, and 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 knowing that even if my non-believing friend, or it's important that my non-believing friend know that even if they don't trust Jesus, that I'm still going to be friends with them. You know, that, that my yeah. friendship is not contingent upon them trusting Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's what Gen Z, I mean, ultimately, like when we think about evangelism and then discipleship, yeah, like like that's what Gen Z's craving is relational, yeah. mm. um, like mentors and leaders in their life, mm-hmm. like people who will invest in them, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just see them as a project, not just see them as another, yeah, notch. Oh, this person converted, see you later, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um real relationships, real people who care for them, who walk with them, who care for them, who mourn with them, who rejoice with them, um, who really show them. And then with that, kind of show them what does it look like to follow and walk with Mm -hmm. Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. what Gen Z, I think, is really hungry for. And that can play out in like that kind of relationship evangelism, getting mm-hmm. to know people. Like there's a guy that comes around our ministry all the time. He's not a believer from mm-hmm. a non-religious family in, here in town, went to public school and he's around all the time. And he's just right. seeing and watching and hearing and we invite him to stuff. And uh, every time I try to start a spiritual conversation mm-hmm. with him, he just like laughs it off, <laughs> mm. you know? Uh, but he's still coming. But he's still there, yeah. which is weird. But that shows he's lonely. He really, mm-hmm. he, that's why he started mm-hmm. to come. He didn't have any mm-hmm. friends. He's around Christian Challenge because he's being loved and cared for. Yeah. He's finding community there. He's mm-hmm. coming to stuff. He's even gone out on campus to help us give out free food. That's why. Right? He's going with yeah. us. Yeah. And so, so yeah, Gen Z, whether they're believers or not, are craving that mentorship, that mm-hmm. disciple, that, that, that person to invest in their mm-hmm. life because mm-hmm. they don't have that. Yeah. 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 I mean, we could talk for a lot longer, I think, totally. about, uh, about Gen Z and, and how to reach them and, and how to help them grow in their faith. Uh, but uh, I have exhausted your time commitment. And so uh, I really appreciate you making totally. time to, to come and, and talk and, and, and share with us uh, how to, well, a little bit about who Gen Z is, how to share the gospel with them, and, um, uh, and, and how to help them f- um, follow Jesus more or know Jesus and then start following him. Uh, would, would you leave our listeners maybe with, um, uh, one, I don't want to call it a success story, but one, but an encouraging story of the life of a Gen Zer that you've seen. And I know you shared a few with me in the past, so you can change mm-hmm. names, okay. uh, as necessary, but, uh, but a life of a Gen Zer who, who, who came to faith in Jesus and what it was that did it for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's been a couple guys that have come to faith. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, there's, there's three guys that come to mind that have come to faith Okay. in our just ministry being around in the last year. And, um, you know, there, I'll just use one guy. There's one guy who's been around mm-hmm. for several years, mm-hmm. started coming around when he was a freshman. He's now a junior, maybe a senior. Okay. He's been around for a while. Um, was just around, uh, during COVID, again, mm-hmm. he came because he was looking for friends. He was, mm-hmm. he was lonely. Mm-hmm. We were somewhat open during COVID, you yep. know, still meeting, but in, you know, you know, ways that, you know, appeased other 
powers of authority, you know, but we still met in some ways. And so he was around a lot. He was just here. He didn't believe he was from a broken family, mm. um, somewhat Catholic, but not really. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cult, kind of culturally Catholic. Culturally maybe? Catholic, yeah. but his parents were split and there's mm. a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And he was just around and he heard people talk about the gospel. He heard people yeah. talk about Jesus. He heard other students talk about what does it look like to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. And over time, he just realized, he started coming to our just some of our like our fall retreats and all these things. And hmm. um, I think this last summer, he realized one day that he's, I, I believe this. Hmm. I believe in this Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of the way I've seen these this body, like love the Lord, love each other, love me, mm-hmm. um, talk about the gospel, talk about their struggles, talk about the, the realities of the world, how the world is hard, but then also... Um, yeah, that, that God is good. So he's experienced the goodness of Jesus. Uh, he's found community. He's found peace. Um, yeah, he's still, you know, growing in his faith, yeah. right? Growing in his knowledge of God, but he believes and loves Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah, he's going to church here in town. And yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty sweet story. And it's been a slow progression. Some student years ago, mm-hmm. he remembers, shared the gospel with him. And he heard it for the first yeah. time and was like, whoa. And it was years later that he believed it. Yeah. Praise God for yeah. fruit of the gospel. Yeah. And those who Amen. are faithful to sow seeds yeah. of the gospel. You never know That's right. who is listening. You yeah. never know who is around. You never know mm-hmm. what God is, the spirit of God's doing before we get there. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, our listeners want to learn more about Christian Challenge or Collegiate Ministry, or uh, maybe they live in Albuquerque and uh, and would like to maybe learn more from you and your staff, or maybe spend some time uh uh, sharing the gospel with with college students or or helping to disciple them. How can they get in touch with you? Where can they go for more information? Yeah, so you know the easiest way we have you know our website unmchristianchallenge.org. Okay, is our website. You can find our information, email, and um, all the people on my staff. Really, as the director, I just like empower them to go do what God has called them to do. Yeah, awesome. You know? That's great. Um, and so uh, yeah, unmchristianchallenge.org. Um, you know. If they're, you know, uh, go to this church, mm-hmm. you know, they can come, they're always welcome uh, to come to free lunch when y'all do that. Yeah. And even if they want to come on another Wednesday, they're more than mm-hmm. welcome. Um, I'm really open to, if people love college students, want to come serve college students, I want to find a way to, to use them. Yeah. Whether that's on campus evangelism, handing out cards, inviting people to our events or to church, um, things like that. So that's, our website's probably the best way to get in contact Great. with us and to learn more. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. Jay, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us. Appreciate it. Of course. All right. Thanks. Bless you, brother. This has been an episode of Mission Chats with First Baptist Church of West Albuquerque. For more information on our church, you can visit us at www.fbcwa.org. 